Hi everyone, so happy that you have tuned in again for another edition in our series of our personal interviews on leadership with business leaders from all over the world, from all different sectors, from all different fields of expertise. My name is Jeroen Bademans and I'm happy to be your moderator of today because uh, today we're not going to talk too much on business, but what I'm always interested in is in what are the personal values of the people I speak to, what are their personal drivers in their leadership journey and uh, what are the challenges, the lessons and what makes them tick and what keeps them awake at night. Um, lots of things to talk about in let's say 30 minutes but I hope we can manage again as we did in our previous the interviews as well. And today uh, as I said I'm really happy that you have tuned in because um, I have a very very special guest today for you. Um, she is one of the top CIOs in the world, I must say. She has been recognized in the top 100 of women leaders in the tech sector. And, uh, well, she is the CIO of a big company. She is the CIO of Siemens. Please welcome to a special conversation with Hannah Hennig. Hi, Hannah. Welcome. Happy to have you here. How are you? Hello, Jérôme. Thank you for having me here. I'm very well and I hope you too. Yes, I am. I am. Uh, really looking forward to our conversation. Uh, thank you for making time for us because I think you have a pretty, pretty busy job, right? Well, I guess it can be busy, you know, depending on what the situation is. I think uh, we can be happy that actually we have come out the COVID crisis, which was a stressful time for everybody, not only for me as well as obviously Russia and Ukraine crisis, which basically kept us busy very heavily last year in particular. But I think, you know, I think we have also other pressing topics, which are actually, thank God, coming into the foreground, things like sustainability, where IT is actually also decisive to ensure that our company is meeting the agenda and that we also support our customers with sustainability solutions, which can really solve some of the pressing issues of these days. Absolutely, and we uh, certainly will touch upon that uh, later on in our conversation. Um, um, you know, in our in our uh, conversations, I always um, ask the one I'm interviewing to ask a question for my next guest, uh, which I did also the last time I interviewed Søren Ledet, and he's the uh, co-owner and general manager of Geranium, one of the best restaurants in the world. And uh, my conversation with him was clearly focusing on, let's say, the well-being of his people. We focused on, on the team, on work-life balance, because yeah, working in a restaurant, of course, uh, is working under big pressure, and he really values the well-being of his team, of his people. And that's also led to the question he has to you. Um, uh, he, he calls it, by the way, the well-being of his team, the social sustainability. So in, in, in what way you make sure that your people, that your team is sustainable for the future, for your, for your work, but also in their personal lives as well. And his question to you was actually, what do you do to secure this, let's say, social sustainability in your workforce. Sir would be very interested to hear your thoughts on that, and so am I. No, sir, thank you very much. Uh, sorry, Jerome, thanks very much for the question from Sir. Uh, um, I think it's a very important question. And by the way, the way we are looking at this uh, term, and I really like the term, you know, social sustainability, we actually rather use the term resilience. Uh, because we recognize that during the time of, in particular, COVID, you know, people have been very 
sort of say isolated. It was really difficult for uh, meeting, you know, uh, up with with uh, their peers, uh, with their people, you know, with their friends, etc. And I think this is exactly where we have made the shift of fully uh, present to this, uh, you know, isolated way in virtual world, which somehow you need to also break up. Now that we're coming back to office, people still are actually somehow kind, uh, keen to stay um, at uh, home in some cases or in some times, which is good because, you know, it also gives a little bit of a work-life integration opportunity, in particular when you are looking after children, etc. And I think this is great. On the other hand, what we are also experiencing, and I think this is maybe what um, is happening less maybe in, in the industry serenism, but in, in our world, it is really about people are sort of say back to back in meetings. And I guess you are also experiencing that yourself in an office environment where actually people don't really think about breaks and they don't think, you know, about uh, taking off, so to say, a camera and then maybe go out for a walk or take a coffee. Or even if you are just in virtual worlds, that you're actually setting up a virtual coffee yourself. So these are things which we actually are taking care of by providing, on the one hand, advice, not only via our leaders, but also via um, providing uh, trainings or also uh, courses where actually people can uh, get advice, you know, how best they are um, making themselves resilient um, you know, against any uh, situation, not only, you know, being locked down, but also to understand, you know, how you actually take care of yourself, not to be just down to work um, and in meetings every day. In addition, what we did, um, I think as a role model within Siemens, is that at, at IT, we have introduced something we called Focus Fridays. So on a Friday, actually, and we start, we did a pilot, so it was not basically introduced like top down, but actually we really talked to our people, you know, is it something that you would be treasuring? And indeed, uh, basically what it does on a Friday, you know, we have put up in our calendars, um, so to say, a blocker so that uh, our team members are able to use that day to just think about new strategies, do up, you know, catch up with the email, really use that time without disruption of any um, meetings, you know, and obviously you need to do that because if, if just half of the team is basically having that focused uh, Friday and the others not, they will still schedule meetings with you. Yeah. So that's something we just was think, you know, was very helpful for people now to relax a little bit in that sense that you are not pressured, you know, one, one day through Friday. The additional topic we also introduced, and this, by the way, happened also during the COVID time, is that we actually change the time schedule of a meeting. Usually you have basically 60 minutes or you have 30 minutes. So we actually introduced and using Teams, by the way, which we are using today as well as a technology where we actually introduce to take five minutes less of the half hour or of that hour. So that means that you always have you know, the opportunity, you, have, you don't need to use it, but you have the opportunity to actually use the last five minutes, you know, to either move from one room to the other, or you basically take a bio break or you take a coffee break. So I think these are things which can also help you to sort of say, discipline yourself to take care of yourself. Yeah, I have to already warn you to make an exception for this meeting because I'm making fully use of the 30 minutes I have with you. So not not quitting at 25 minutes. So uh, please uh, allow me an uh, exemption on that for now. But um, it, it's interesting because you also talked uh, about the, 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 the way of working after COVID, uh, people getting back to the office again. Um, what, how does that reflect on your personal view of work-life balance? Because as you said, that was different during COVID during working remotely, of course. 
How do you see that have been evolving so far up till now, the work-life the work balance and the importance of the work-life balance, in your opinion? Well, honestly, you know, I'm not a big fan of the word work-life balance because I don't think actually that it really exists anymore since, you know, several decades, I would say. I rather use the word work-life integration because I think this is a more of a better reflection of real how reality really works, mm -hmm. right? However, you know, when I look at, you know, how things have changed, and I think COVID has changed drastically, how we look at this combination of work and life e.g you know you have you know during the COVID time you have now experienced in the background some noises which you usually would have not allowed to be happening in the office environment right you were working and then maybe a baby was crying yeah, yeah? or your little son came up to sit on your lap mommy or daddy you know what are you right now talking about yeah you had to accept these things and it was actually accepted and I must say that relaxed also I hope, you know, this, the stress, you know, with this work-life balancing and really accepting that it's actually more of a work-life integration and understanding that there is a life beyond work. So I think this was actually for me the positive things of COVID. Yeah. Now, the other thing is that it's really accepted. Again, I think most of the companies are moving into a direction, even though we heard, we heard some different examples, that it's accepted that actually people are working from home. Like Siemens, you know, we have actually introduced even during COVID time that, you know, in three days of a week, an, an employee, actually an associate, can actually define where he or she works from. Mm. So it doesn't, we basically keep trust in our people that they decide, you know, where best to work from. Obviously, to be agreed with the, with the manager, but in principle, you know, it's basically open for people to work wherever they like. Yeah. And now this is obviously giving a lot of freedom. It takes away its stress. Like if you think, consider countries like India, I don't know whether you have ever been in India, no. traffic over there in the mega cities is tremendously heavy. And it, you'd spend like one hour to get to the work, to the office, one hour to get back. What kind of relief and save on time, again, not time to be necessarily spent always for the work, yeah, but also for your family, you can save now. I mean, this is a big, big treasure, I think, yeah. for all us in the world working as well as not working yeah and on a personal level Hannah, how do you take care yourself of let's say your social sustainability or your work-life integration so how you call it well actually i have indeed agreed with my with my uh, assistant you know agree who's also listening in in that she mm -hmm. would put a book in into my keller indeed like breaks you know for lunchtime also you know adhering as much as possible to the friday focus friday as well which i'm uh, trying to use for training, you know, catching up, um, but also actually to do interaction, honestly, you know, interaction meaning that uh, I call up people directly, you know, without having things scheduled or they can call me. So it's more of a free time, which I now allow basically to have myself, which relaxes me as well, because if you are back in to back meetings, you know, there is not much creativity you can basically spend. It's basically just uh, settled on exactly what you what you want to do. And whilst I really appreciate having agendas, you know, where you define or meetings with agendas, basically where you define what is the purpose what is it you want to achieve? You conclude, you have next next steps and actions. I also appreciate the time when I can basically talk, you know, call up one of my 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 people, my one of my colleagues to actually just exchange on some ideas without having a strict agenda. Because I think this is something which you also need. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's not, it's it's not meeting because of meeting. It's meeting because you want to discuss something, or you want to do something, or you want to share something with with each other, and uh, that's that saves you time and gives you some more balance. Um, so then in the mornings, obviously, I also do a sport. You know, ensure that I do my sports in the morning before I go off, off to work. So I think this is you know which I also need to ensure that there's yeah. enough time for myself to get. And by the way, it, which which just pops up my mind right now, I read that you are in terms of your personal perhaps also integrating your work life uh, or your work life integration. I read that you are a Perry Roden connoisseur. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and talking about your 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 well work life integration, uh, um, if I'm right, I'm, I'm I'm not into Perry Roden, I must say, but he's a he's a, he's an author of of science science fiction books, right? I was really struck by by reading this, and I was really wondering what really makes you makes you tick reading Perry Roden, actually. Well, I guess uh, I would say it's a no-brainer, Jerome. I don't know, you know. Actually, you know, I really love science fiction, and I think this is what really made me to go into information technology. Oh, really? You know, because if you have ever read Perry Roden, it's actually interesting enough. It's actually, you know, a German author. You would have never thought, you know, the author who has read, written basically Roden is a German. You know, it was it was a great piece of work which uh, the author actually has written in the 60s, 70s, you know, 60s actually, at very very early stage. And what has been written in these books is really, you know, becoming reality. And it was it was it was a fascinating time basically to consume these books, you know, to see how early ideas of things like, you know, aerospace. Uh, long life, you know, basically uh, being uh, not able to die, basically, you know, survive, you know, decades, uh, transmit over time, you know, like back in time, you know, all the science fiction movies you are now consuming, you have been able to read in yeah. this book already very early. And what fascinates me about science fiction is because it tells you basically the future of tomorrow and actually already realized today, right? So, and what I really like is what can you do with technology? The most impressive point for me is, you know, how can you improve people's life? How can you improve the world with technology? This is what fascinates me. And that's why, honestly, you know, I'm not only consuming Perry Roden books, but I actually, you know, also love movies, you know, around these themes. So, yes, I admit it, you know, I love, you know, Enterprise, I, I love Star Wars, I love, you know, uh, Stargate, you know, you name it, you know, whatever is the newest uh, science fiction movie, I would I would consume it because it just gives you a, the art of possible and gives you a lot of addition to creativity, which I believe you also need in a job, in particular if you're, you know, love technology and how you can combine, you know, people and technology to get the best out of it. That's, yeah. that's so it's 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 more or less Perry Roden, like you said, who really got you into. IT and got you into the IT domain, and let's 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 um, 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 zoom in a little bit on that in your leadership career because you said you love about IT is that that it can help people to, well, more or less improve their lives or to to have better lives. Uh, uh, relating to you as a leader, because you have a long-lasting, extending career in different sectors from energy to telco, and now at Siemens. Um, how do you? Well, actually, in other words, what makes you tick being a leader referring to this? Well, what makes you tick in working in IT, making lives, m making people's lives better? What makes you tick as a leader in this in this context? Well, I think, you know, um, as a leader is really about getting the best out of uh, out of the teams, you know, uh, using their potential 
to come up with the greatest ideas which are driving business outcomes. So this is really, I would say, you know, one of the things which I always stress when I join a new company, you know, that I'm I'm listening to my teams, you know, understanding where they stand, understanding what they are driving towards and ensure that we are all jointly, you know, driving the right uh, outcomes, which will help the company on the one hand, for example, be sustainable on and the other hand also provide the right products for our customers to make their lives better. So it's really about, you know, ensuring that we are leveraging the potential, leveraging the potential of the technologies with the, with the brightest, you know, thoughts, ideas of the people. And I think it, it makes me really, really, a, a, it's a great, it gives me energy, you know, if I see how people have, you know, used their greatest talents to come up, you know, with, with super ideas, you know, like, for example, we did just recently, you know, this whole hype around OpenAI, JetGPT, GenAI, like the the team, you know, my team was coming up like very early with a secured environment for, for a JetGPT playground, where actually whole of Siemens was able to use Siemens data, which you actually don't want to have exposed to external world. They basically provided it to the whole of Siemens so that everybody could really try out the potential of this technology and not only in a private time, but actually really utilize their own Siemens data, again, with a secured environment and see, you know, what's the art of possible. And this will amplify the creativity of, you know, 300,000 people, which I think it's it's great. And these are things, you know, which I, I just basically see how people are really enjoying that. Um, and also, yeah. again, potential out of it you know and apply ideas into their own environments how can i use it in marketing you know how can i use it in in software development you know this is this is beautiful and i think this will really take give us a lot of productivity it will enrich enrich our um, daily life at work and also for our customers yeah for those who are listening i can really see it makes you tick because you're smiling and you're really enthusiastic about the topic and but on the other end there's also challenge because that's also one of the key topics in our conversation today it's leading in change it's leading in transformation and i think there's no well basically not any other domain other than it in which developments go so fast changes are always uh at your on on your desk how do you cope with that as a leader to make sure that the right talents are on the right place while things changing basically every second or every minute. No, you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, employability, as we call it, you know, our CHRO um, and also sustainability officer, Judith Wiese, actually made this term reality at Siemens when she joined Siemens a couple of years ago. And I think it's really important that we, what we mean with employability, meaning that our people you know, are, as you said, it not bothered by change, but actually are embracing change, knowing that they will, um, that they have opportunities to learn, basically, you know, other capabilities which allow them to embrace the change because they have, there's no fear of losing their job or whatsoever. And yes, you know, in particular, technologies like AI are basically frightening many, many people. Uh, and yes, there will be also change in the workforce, etc. However, and by the way, in IT, for example, it was also cloud, you know, early days of cloud, you know, some people, basically colleagues who have been working in data centers, you know, they basically felt for sure the change, you know, and were fearing maybe losing the job. But again, it's our responsibility as leaders to recognize these trends early enough and to offer 
you know, I, on one hand, you know, training, which we actually do. So we have a vast number of learning paths, depending mm -hmm. on the profile you want to develop towards. So that's the one thing. And the other thing is that you actually create opportunities for people to learn on the job. So early days, you know, we have actually, or I have set up, you know, so-called cloud service teams where actually I combined, you know, experience uh, colleagues from on-prem data centers with young colleagues which actually embrace the new cloud technology. And by combining them, you would actually have via a diverse team the opportunity for both sides to learn from each other. And by doing that, they would become a role model for others to say, you know, it's yeah. possible. Now, regardless how long I've been in the job, I can go and learn something new and go with it and actually can teach others. And, and in respect to this, how do you cope yourself with change? Because you are a role model for others. You are a role model for your organization. How do you cope yourself with all the changes you're facing? Well, I think, you know, as I said before, it's really also to ensure that you put time aside to understand what the latest technologies are. It's also about having a network of uh, colleagues where you will tap into to do best practice exchanges, etc. So I'm actually also not only on my side, but also I'm asking my people to ensure that we always have an outside in view, regardless, you know, how great we are, because we always believe we, we are great, you know, we love technology. <laughs> But uh, we are not basically always, uh, you know, it's always the, the best practices. I think you need to understand, you know, how others deal with these approaches. And whenever I hear, you know, it's not possible or we have done it this way, I would then always say, okay, please find me another uh, unit basically or another company who also has the same issue and then tell me how they deal with that. Yeah. And that's always, you know, fix the learning. And that's what I always, you know, I never, I feel, you know, you should never be complacent and be accepting the status quo. So that's basically why I'm also challenging myself. You know, would I would I be happy with the status right now or is there anything else I can do, you know, to improve, to use basically the next steps to improve the situation? So it's also basically challenging myself. And I do that not to put myself into stress, but just to ensure that, you know, there is for sure also something new I can always embrace, I can learn something new. So this is, and I think it's important because if you stand still, you will not move. And then you are basically in a sort of a manager. Sorry, I mean, manager is not, not a nothing bad thing, but you know, I, that's my difference between leader and manager. Basically managers usually look at things and preserving the status quo very often. A leader is actually a person who is really looking forward trust, yeah. you know, recognize the trends and then ensures that he or she takes the team with him and her. Is there, um, yeah, the, the last you said with him and her, um, is, is there a difference between, um, let's say, female leadership and male leadership in your opinion? Because from the outside, I can imagine people can think or maybe they do think, well, um, a lady, a woman on such a high-level position within the IT domain, um, it's 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 not seen that often. Or how do you see that? How do you see your position as a woman in terms of female leadership within the IT domain? I mean, you are right. I mean, there are not that many, and I would hope you know I'm actually working also with my team, you know, to change that in that sense that we are promoting obviously female leaders uh, very much so. And by the way, it can only happen with, with the male leaders, you know, with which colleagues, you know, male colleagues, which which actually are also giving opportunities to females 
colleagues, you know, to grow and and demonstrate their value. You know, when you ask me the question about, you know, is there a difference, you know, between female and and male leadership? I think it, it's 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 a very really tricky question. You know, regardless of what I will say now, you know, people will be. <laughs> Please, feel free, feel free. <laughs> I just think that um, it is also potentially driven also by the gender that, you know, the way how how female colleagues maybe look at things or, or, or drive maybe is a little bit different from, from male colleagues. But again, it's nothing bad or, or wrong or, or bad or good or, you know, wrong or, or right. I think it's just you need to find your, your style. As long as you are authentic, I think, uh, everybody, you know, you will you will excel as a leader. What I observe, and again, it's for everybody uh, himself, herself to judge whether he or she has the same observation, is that at least, you know, when I look at female leaders that, um, or even females, you know, in a, in, a, in a team setup or in a meeting, very often I see that, that females are more um, caring about integrating other people's opinion. Like if people are maybe more introvert and they are, so say, shy, to express uh, their opinion, then I see, you know, females to invite, you know, these colleagues to basically share their opinion and give them a little bit of a yeah. safe room to express themselves. Yeah. yeah. Um, but again, I have seen it also on, on May side, but I would say I observe it more on, on the female side. Yeah. This is just one example. And, and the other one is, so I think maybe it has to do, you know, we are really, you know, we want to ensure that everybody has his or her space. In a say in in a in a, in a setup. Uh, on the other hand, you know, I think male as well as female colleagues, you know, are very much into being, you know, very efficient in meetings. Like, you know, both genders, I would say, would look at having a proper agenda, having a proper outcome. You know, yeah. points to be res um, basically concluded at the end. So I think in that sense, you know, there is not much of that. And in terms of communication, maybe yes. Women, yeah, you would be saying typical women behave, you know, women chat a lot, etc. So it is maybe that, you know, women are also prepared to share more and to also um, talk more. And yes, I must say maybe recently I just had one session with my leadership team. I hope they could forgive me to share that, but it, it's not the only time I have experienced that actually a female leader said, you know, let's, let's please also talk about emotions. Oh wow! Say that that you know, male colleagues are not that often prepared. I mean, they they are prepared to do so, but maybe they would not express the the need of doing so. They would be they would be contributing, they would participating in the discussion, but maybe they would not express it that explicitly and clearly. Yeah. And this is where I where I actually love these moments. But I just think, yes, this is exactly why we <laughs> need diverse teams. Because there is maybe one uh, sort of say, and this could be also, you know, a nationality, because that's also the beauty about cultures. You know, you need yeah. to respect the fact that there is a difference in an Indian culture versus a Western-oriented, you know, German-US culture. It's really totally different. And we need to be appreciating that and, again, listening to each other and really build on each other's idea instead of explaining to each other, you know, how things work. This, yeah. I think, is exactly what we don't want to do. Great, great example. Um, um, in brief, Anna, what you have, a, like I said, an extending, a long-lasting career, and uh, also being a leader in the I, in the IT domain. What's the biggest lesson you have learned? If you have to name one, what would be the biggest lesson you'd like to share? 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think the uh, the biggest lesson and also advice I have been given is, and it, but it comes really over time. You know, not to take yourself too serious. Meaning, you know, if you are too too strict on things, you know, you basically you are you are determined. You want to achieve something, yeah. And then something goes into your way, and then something, you know, is is failing, and then you are so disappointed that you think you have basically failed. And but it's not true, you know. They are actually I always, and this is maybe what my background also says, you know, optimist. You know, I, I think you know yeah. you have to <laughs> then. Even if you're at that day, you are totally bogged down to like, oh man, miserably failed. Most important thing is really to say, hang on, is there something I can learn from that session? And can I apply the learning for the next situation? And maybe I have actually not considered something which I somehow missed. Yeah. So, yeah. so I think it's really about standing up the next day to say, okay, come on. Is there anything I can learn? Is there anything I can apply next time? Have I also take all the aspects, dimensions into account? And where do I need to maybe take more advice from somebody which I have maybe not listened to? Great. So, Hannah, of course, you also have the opportunity to ask my next guest uh, a question. Um, and my next guest uh, is Vasiliki Petru. She is the EVP and Group CEO of Unilever Prestige in the United Kingdom. And my question to you is, of course, what question do you want to ask her? Yeah, I think, Vasiliki, you know, I would really like to ask you, because you're in the cosmetics industry, beauty industry, if I understand it correctly, and it's really something which obviously we also as CMS need to be looking at, this is sustainability. So I think whilst you are delivering great products for us women and men, uh, <laughs> you know, I think be important to understand, you know, how do you take care of ensuring that uh, the products, uh, your beautiful products are really also accepted by uh, your consumers, because most of them are really now taking care of, of our um, environment. And they are, I'm sure, interested, you know, how you're going to be uh, addressing that topic uh, and still deliver beautiful products. Thanks. And last but not least, of course, the, the, the final words are up to you. Do you have any final advice for us in terms of leadership or maybe a suggestion to read a book from Perry Roden. I'm not sure. Please, what, what would be your last words of wisdom to share with us? Well, I mean, obviously, everybody who is a science fiction fan should also look at Perry Roden because <laughs> it's, it's, I think, a forgotten uh, series of books um, in the past. Uh, I guess my advice would be, you know, in particular in these days where we have so many crises going on, really, you know, I would say, maybe not, not be myself, but of course, you know, look at the, the background in terms of optimism. We should, I think we need to display more optimism and work on making this, this world a better place. So please, you know, help us basically help to make this place a better world and also look at things like sustainability, whatever it takes you, you know, either in your private life, also in your working life, whatever you can do, please, um, you know, help to save our planet's planet. Wow, thank you so much, Hannah Hennig, for your insights, for your lessons learned, and for your uh, vision on leadership, and for giving us a little bit insight in your personal interests. And I will uh, take a book uh, with me on my way back home on, uh, on science fiction. Thank you very much, Hannah Hennig. Thank you, Jerome. And thank you who have been tuning in for listening and watching us for this uh, another personal interview on leadership. Hope to uh, uh, tune, you will tune in next time again with another personal interview on leadership. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.